Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic yeah. books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. Doesn't get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another spiderific episode of Comic Books, Motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm gonna be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight on this reanimated filled episode i've got two count them two of my reanimated fellow fan holes why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight hey it's mike and everybody loves a clone so why don't you hey this is justin and i think i'm a clone now i think i'm a clone now so, in case you haven't figured out, in honor of the feature film release of Spider-Man Homecoming, there was an executive decision from fan holes everywhere, and I was totally outvoted, and we're going to be discussing the Clone Conspiracy, the super mega event that ran through the Spider-Man titles, and the Clone Conspiracy basically was a five-issue miniseries, which presumably you could read standalone, but it, it also ran through the current Amazing Spider-Man titles. There was a before Dead No More storyline that ran through Amazing Spider-Man 16 to 19, and then 20 to 24 also tied into the Clone Conspiracy. There were also tie-ins in the new Prowler series, and the second, oh my god, there's two volumes of Silk, the second volume of Silk, and I think, what was that, 14 through 17, I think? And there was also a, a prelude to Dead No More in the Steve Rogers Captain America Free Comic Book Day, and that prelude story was titled Up and About. But basically what I did was I, I, I sort of wrote up a... a Hopefully, brief synopsis, given that this is about, what, 20 issues worth of an event storyline, and it doesn't cover every single aspect of it, but I figure most of us have read all the comics that tied into that, so of course, if we want to bring stuff up from the various tie-ins and the main series, we can, but just to give people who maybe haven't read it, and of course, be pre-warned, if you haven't read this and you want to just hang back and listen to the episode anyway. This will contain, you know, this episode will obviously contain spoilers regarding 
the events and mysteries behind the clone conspiracy. Be silk alone. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I should actually like I, I didn't I didn't dislike the issues I read, you know, painlessly or anything. So so I may see? I may I may start leaving <laughs> silk alone. So we'll we'll see. People see me and think they're safer. But it's not really me they're seeing. Probably for the best. Knowing everything hinges on a guy from Queens sounds as scary as it feels. <laughs> no pressure, right? A mysterious man in a red suit with an Anubis mask approaches several of Spider-Man's enemies, such as the Rhino and the Lizard, and gives them the chance to revive their deceased family in exchange for joining his organization, New You. Although the same offer is made to Max Dillon, also known as Electro, his revived girlfriend, Francine Fry, ends up gaining his electric powers and kills him. The Kingpin is presented with a revived version of his wife, Vanessa, who he quickly dispatches and considers an abomination. Even though the Rhino fails to recruit Wilson Fisk, he gets a reprieve from the red-suited mystery man who reveals himself to be the all-new, all-different Jackal, standing beside Gwen Stacy, back from the dead. When a fire breaks out in Parker Industries Lab in Edmond, Oklahoma, Spider-Man rushes to save his employees' lives. Jerry Saltieres is the last employee saved, but his lungs are too far gone. Miraculously, New Year's revolutionary treatments appear to bring Jerry back from the brink of death. However, after the process, Saltieres sets off Peter's spider sense, and Pete has Hobie Brown, also known as the Prowler, investigate New You. The all-new, all-gender-bended female Electro then kills the Prowler when he's snooping around, but he is brought back by the all-new, all-different Jackal, and becomes an advocate for his cause. Because of Peter's reservations from his spider sense, he convinces his Aunt May not to go forward with any New Year treatment that could potentially save the life of her current husband, Jay, or John Jonah Jameson Sr. Unfortunately, Jay passes while Spider-Man tries to recover an old family heirloom. Meanwhile, New Yu has been acquiring the corpses of dead supervillains and the current consciousness of Dr. Octopus that went from the living brain to a tiny Octobot eventually enters one of the reanimated New Yu bodies. We also learn that in order to survive, all of the New Yu treated patients need to take daily doses of pills lest they degenerate. When Spider-Man himself investigates New Yu, he is knocked out by the newly armed Dr. Octopus with the explanation that the reanimated Gwen Stacy catches him off guard. The all-new Jackal breaks up the fight and calls off Rhino and the all-gender-bended Electra or She-Lectro and tries to get Spider-Man to come around to his way of thinking. Not only has the Jackal brought Gwen Stacy back, but every villain who has died in Spider-Man comic book history. Also, in addition, Spider-Man's allies, such as Captain Stacy, Gene DeWolf, and Dr. Kafka, are among the reanimated. Spider-Man is then rescued by Gwen Stacy, who is revealed to be Spider-Gwen, acting undercover when her reanimated father pulls a gun on her. 
Spider-Gwen, who is partnered with Kane, aka the Scarlet Spider, reveal that in their search of the multiverse, the collaboration of Parker Industries and the New U Technologies always results in humanity suffering a zombie apocalypse at the hands of the Carrion Virus. The actual reanimated Gwen is trussed up at Horizon Labs, and the Kingpin gives Spider-Man a lead on where the Jackal will next appear. When Peter confronts the all-new Jackal, we find out that it is not Miles Warren under the Anubis mask, but the You were the clone! Ben Riley. He now appeals to Peter to use the new U reanimation process to return their dead Uncle Ben to life. Riley brings Spider-Man to Haven, a small town filled with an entire community of reanimated folks. Sally Avril, Ned Leeds, Nick Katzenberg, Marla Jameson, and Maddie Franklin are now back among the living. Spider-Man, as flat as a cardboard cutout standee, decides that Riley has all the power but none of the responsibility and refuses to join him because Uncle Ben would tell them it's wrong if he was alive. The Riley Jackal snaps his fingers and orders his reanimated villain goon squad to kill Spider-Man. The reanimated Prowler finally wakes the fuck up and comes to Spider-Man's aid instead of helping the all-new Jackal. Riley Jackal and Doc Ock's tenuous alliance comes to an end as they fight. Ock sets off the sonic frequency that will degenerate all the reanimated clones. However, Scarlet Spider, a.k.a. Kane's fears, come to pass as non-clone reanimates are now infecting the entire human population. Ultimately, Spider-Man's current-day MacGuffin, his webware devices sold by Parker Industries worldwide like little Apple iWatches, produce an inverse sonic frequency that saves humanity while the clones all degenerate and effectively return things to the status quo. And that's basically my quick and dirty synopsis of the 20-issue mega-event clone conspiracy that we're all here to talk about tonight. So I think I'll, I'll open it up to the gentlemen who are on the podcast with me, and I guess maybe just ask, like, I, I think both you guys were reading Spider-Man month to month during this is that is that a correct assumption yes yeah okay and i i should point out that like if not for mike in this podcast i probably wouldn't have got back into spider-man because i kind of turned my back on this series for a long time i think it was actually the rick remainder venom series and i was like asking mike about it i was like is this a good like jumping on point for me and you know you were like yeah sure check it out and then that kind of like that just like opened the floodgates and I started like catching up on stuff, be it good or bad, mostly bad. <laughs> well, I'm sorry and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I will I will reveal that other than the first issue of Amazing Spider Man in the post Secret Wars era that we covered on the proper podcast sometime back, I don't 
I, I haven't been reading this on a month-to-month basis. I mean, I am aware of things. I think most of this I knew going into it because Mike does follow the series pretty religiously. So I would occasionally see, you know, splash pages and, and sort of spoilers from the clone conspiracy as they were posted maybe on Bot Talk and stuff like that. So I, I, I don't think it's fair in some ways for me to judge the mystery angle and any kind of twists or surprises or anything. Cause I think, I think the majority of it, I sort of knew where it was going before I started reading it. Cause I, I think I kind of knew that, that the all new Jackal was Ben Riley while I was reading the story, as opposed to, I guess if you were reading it on a month-to-month basis, you might still sort of be in the dark. I mean, you know, people may have guessed, but I, 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 you wouldn't have known for sure, but I think by the point I was reading this all in one sitting, like, I, I did kind of already know a lot of the outcomes before they were you know, presented to me in, in the story format. I mean, there, there were a couple things that were surprises to me. Like, I didn't know that, that Spider-Gwen featured so heavily, so I, I, I thought that sort of swapperoo, you know, was was something that I wasn't aware of before I started reading it. But, what, I mean, what, what do you guys think of this story? Like, is this something you're into? Is it worthy of having sort of the, the mega event status that's attributed to it like is this something you enjoyed is it something you're not too pleased with like because it touches on you know old spider-man history and kind of like those images where you know frank miller would draw you know marvel as grave diggers you know digging up the grave of electra and sort of having their way with with his creation you know like i i guess what are you guys' take on on this? Is Dan Slott doing the same thing, or is this something where you're just like, oh, this is pretty entertaining, and it had a lot of twists and turns? I honestly like. I'm I'm gonna say, for most people, I'd say like the Clone Saga era of Spider-Man is not exactly what I'd call like a sacred cow or anything. I mean, like I have a soft spot for it because when I was growing up, like the this it was that that era in the '90s that I started buying like new off the rack, basically. So, you know, I have a soft spot for characters like Ben Riley and Kane and like all that. So, I mean, but at, at the same time, it's not like you have desecrated the good name of Maximum Clonage or something. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not that crazy. Like, in fact, like I I share. I'm kind of hot and cold with it. I share some of the like disgusts of like that era. Sometimes like I would say that like maximum clonage would be on a list of my like worst Spider-Man stories ever. This like the clone conspiracy, like much like everything else that like Dan Slott has written, like there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I mean, I ended like at the end of this like event, I was like legitimately like interested into seeing what would happen next, basically. So I guess that's a compliment. So like I think Spider Verse left me with a like bitter taste in my mouth, but this I was kind of like, oh well, you know, I I think we 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 ended like you know uh, with a higher score than we started with. So that's I mean that's basically my general thoughts on it. I don't. Know. What about you, Justin? See, I feel like the exact opposite see whereas i kind of enjoyed spider-verse and got into it like i feel like this left a bad taste in my mouth especially that clone conspiracy omega issue because it's like 
it just ends on such a down note. It's like, oh, you know, because of like Parker Industries, you know, webware, Peter's going to be facing all these like massive lawsuits, which, you know, I, I think we all knew Parker Industries was going to fall sooner or later. So it's this is going to be like a, a back to basics thing. But then you have just, I mean, you have like so many characters who have like this piece of their life ripped away. I mean, I, I may not like J. Jonah Jameson, but I don't want to see him go through such emotional turmoil when his dead wife and Maddie Franklin come back only to lose them. Not to mention like the lizard and his family and the rhino. Like I, I felt really sorry for the rhino in that Omega issue because he was just, you know, just raging at the fact that he lost someone he cared so much about. And I was like, you know what? You didn't really need to do this. Like it, it just seems kind of overly mean. And I don't know the whole, I mean, there was just too many like fake out things that we saw coming. Like, you know, a, a lot of us did guess that the the jackal was going to be Ben Riley. I didn't want to believe it though. I was like, oh, that's too, that's a little too like obvious and on the nose. Yeah. Like he's not going to do that. And then it's like, oh, fooled you, did it anyway. And then it's like, oh, you know, Ben Riley and Doctor Octopus supposedly die fighting each other and turn into dust. And I I, I like where Kane kind of like comes back and he just kind of like points out he's like Peter. You're a moron. Did you really think this pile of dust in his clothes like means he's dead? <laughs> and, and never mind the fact that we know we're getting a, a Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, you know, ongoing. And of course, you know, it's like, did did Doctor Octopus even need to be in this? Like, I mean, I, I know Dan Slott's like totally in love with Doctor Octopus and everything, but like, I, I think it, I think the story would have been better served if you just excised that. Because he just he's he's there and he's like oh I'm gonna like make your stuff better Mr. Jackal and then it's like you know what he and Anna has some like interactions and she calls him like a scumbag and he like loses his shit fights Ben Riley and supposedly dies and that's that's pretty much all he contributed to the story but yeah I but what I will say is like the one thing I do like about this is I really like the the Jim Cheung artwork in that conspiracy miniseries like I really like his artwork and I'm glad that he. I'm glad that he could like do all six issues, but like, as far as like the you know the whole like story, like I kind of like don't really care for it. I guess what, what my takeaway from it, and I, you know, obviously keep in mind, you know, this is a somewhat of a biased opinion of, for somebody who feels like Spider-Man lost his way a long time ago, and I'm always looking for maybe the singular standout story or at least just the story where i can point at it and go you know this this to me feels like kind of my like my spider-man or whatever and i i don't know that this story necessarily did that because i kind of felt like i was much more interested in all the characters besides spider-man and that may even be counter to what you're saying about dr octopus like because Dan Slott has such an interest and passion in writing Doc Ock, and I enjoyed following the Superior Spider-Man. Like, I was more interested in reading that part of the story than I was in reading Peter Parker stuff, because I just, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like Kane as Scarlet Spider seemed like a much more kind of character I could 
sort of identify with, you know, just, just because, yeah, he's suffering from this interminable disease, but at the same time, like you said, there's these great moments where he's like, what are you, dense? Are you retarded? I'm the goddamn Scarlet Spider. <laughs> like, look at this, you know, you know there was an issue of Amazing where they showed you what really happened behind the scenes and everything, and, and how, you know, both Ben Riley and, and Doc Ock kind of made it out, you know, alive from that you know, final fatal encounter and everything. So that, you know, in, in that sense, I, I, I was much more interested in reading those stories. Like, I, I think this is the first time I read a story where I didn't think spider Gwen was pointless. Like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, <laughs> yeah, like well, she seemed I was... to be, she, I, I mean, I, I seem to genuinely be, I mean, like, I guess if this was like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this story to the uninitiated. I mean, because it's almost like, you know, Kane and, and spider Gwen appear out of nowhere. So if you have no frame of reference for them, it's not like they do anything to catch you up to speed on who the hell these people are but but i still thought that they they to me were much more interesting than sort of i I don't know it just felt like peter parker was like this cardboard cutout and saying things because the writer plugged like words in his thought balloons but he just didn't feel like a real person to me i guess like and and i i don't think you know, Peter Parker should ever come off that way. But that's, that's kind of what my takeaway from the whole story was, was almost like Peter was just going through these motions to get to that point that you're describing where, you know, Parker Industries is going to be sort of outed or ousted or, you know, basically, you you know, you kind of sense a return to maybe the the Spider-Man status quo where he won't be, you know, the, the Tony Stark of Marvel for much longer. I was just going to say, and I, I joked about it when that, that issue of Amazing came out that like pretty much filled in the blanks as to what Kane and Spider-Gwen were doing in this story. I, I was kind of joking that this this story finally like validated Spider-Gwen for me, basically, because you know how I am. I'm like... I'm like, well, if she thinks Kane is cool, then she must be cool. Like, because I like Kane, and, you know, she likes Kane. So, like, you know, I think you're valid. Like, if you like a character that I like, then you must be cool. Like, please, Spider Gwen alone. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think, I think this, uh, this series, at the very least, you know, as much as I'm being critical on on Peter Parker in it, I mean, I, I think it did help me reevaluate like Silk and Spider Gwen just because they, they they seemed like decent characters in it. Hell, even, I mean, as laughable as it is, and I think she's kind of a joke, even Maddie Franklin had had her moments, you know, in, in the Silk tie-ins and stuff. I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of unfair that, like, four issues worth of a Prowler series is, like, the fake reanimated Prowler, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that is kind of a jip, like, especially if they're going to keep... And, and, and I think my understanding is correct. Like they're still going to keep making Prowler issues a- after this clone conspiracy thing is done, right? Yeah. So that that yep. seems kind of unfortunate to me. I did think it was funny I... that they had that moment with Julia Carpenter uh, between her and and the reanimated Hobie Brown, but then they made reference to how the Shroud got 
kind of chumped over in Wade's Daredevil, you know, like, oh, I'm using these computers because the Shroud left them to me as, like, a gift or whatever. So I was kind of like, I, I, all those kind of references or, like, the, the references to Scarlet Spider being concerned about his new warrior teammates and his little sidekick and everything, like, I thought all those were kind of nice touches in, in a lot of the tie-ins. I think... I think over the months, me and Justin have, like, griped about it, like, saying, like, man, that new Prowler book is just about a fake Prowler getting his ass kicked every single month, like, basically. So, yeah. Like, yeah, I, 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 oh, I, did, I, I didn't really have much of a problem with Electro or Electra, as Derek is calling her, until it's, like, she started showing up in the Prowler ongoing and, like, constantly being like really shitty to him and like zapping him every issue and kicking his butt like that's when i was like okay you've already overstayed your welcome like i'm kind of tired of this like i you know i like the prowler i don't want to see his butt get kicked for like four issues and then we find out he wasn't even the real prowler so i'm just like well okay i don't know what your point to all that i don't was. know how that makes it better yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> that that was that was an odd way to and the series because i mean other than the i guess this is a funny way to put it but like i mean even thinking about the trajectory right like strictly speaking like the way i read the story and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but the way i read it was hobie brown you know has been working for peter parker and parker industries he dresses up like spider-man and and stuff on occasion to sort of keep people off Parker's trail and all that kind of stuff. And he also kind of functions as the prowler and does jobs for Peter. And he's spying on, you know, new you technology and everything for Peter. And when he goes there, essentially, you know, the, the female electro, like she electrocutes him to death. Right. Like, and then the next thing, you know, he's quote unquote brought back as a reanimate and is sort of loyal to, you know, Ben Riley or the all new Jackal. But then like when I'm thinking about it, it's like the Hobie got put in that batch of how should I put it, like recently troubled new you reanimates where it magically turned out they were all like down like as opposed to say people who have been dead for years and years and years, like you know, Captain Stacy or Gene the Wolf or something like that, right? Where they had to sort of be grave diggers and get genetic material from, like, corpses or graves or what have you, which is why people want to be fucking cremated and not buried because of wacky, wackadoo shit like this. But anyway, um, so, so, like they get their genetic material and everything, but then those other folks, like the, the guy Saltiara's, like the, the, the poor guy whose lungs were all messed up from the fire in Oklahoma, right? Like, he was downstairs in a cryotube, like the real quote-unquote guy, right? Just like Hobie, the quote-unquote real guy, was down in the basement in some sort of cryotube, and the reanimate of course crumble to dust at the end of the story right but then like i'm sitting there going like okay well hobie's fine like that's the way they kind of sell it like hobie's fine but this other guy lived his life for the last four issues but i'm kind of like why is hobie fine didn't the female electro kill him like you know and it's like it's like when the other guy gets out of the cryotube it seems to be this really 
bitter kind of pill because it's like, oh great, I found your real husband, but he still has his lung disease and he's about to die. Like that, that's kind of how I read it, you know, like where it's like he, he, you know, and, and Peter Parker makes these grandiose promises that he knows he can't keep, you know, like nobody dies today, you know, like that kind of thing. And then it's like, I fucked up because he's gonna die today again. Like, like kind of how Justin was talking about the, the emotional turmoil that say Jay Jonah goes through with, you know, his wife and his Maddie's like his adoptive daughter or something like that. Like kind of, I guess, you know, so it's like, yeah, I I don't know. Like I kind of ignored that bit because it gave me bad, like Howard Mackey. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's why, that's why I was like kind of, cracking the joke that like even that character came off kind of kind of reevaluated in this but the all that kind of stuff like the the kind of emotional turmoil that say Jonah goes through it's like it seems like that is extended to like all these people that you know like the wife and kid of the the guy that was down in the basement you know and you're just kind of like well yeah i mean you know anybody would be upset that they have to relive watching somebody that they love die again you know like i don't know just seemed like a weird way to end it like if you were gonna have everybody be like yo everybody's in the basement duke's a-okay like why not just have them be all okay you know but i guess that's not realistic but then it's like they did it for hobie brown right like, Kobe Brown's fine, but this other poor bastard, like, no, he's not fine, you know? So, I was like, okay. I, di- I did notice that kind of disconnect that you describe, where I was kind of like, what? but wait, yeah, like, wasn't Kobe Brown, like, fried to a crisp? Like, like I don't get it. Like, I guess maybe he was, you know, brought to the brink of death, maybe, and then they froze him, but that the way that initial, like, first issue, like, happens, like, it seems like he's dead for good. I guess the only saving grace I can point to is that Silver Sable, thankfully, was not involved in any of this shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, that means she's still alive somewhere, hopefully, yeah. What up, fuckers? I just wanted to take a moment to run through Gwen Stacy's death in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, it's towards the end of the movie, you know it. Uh, you've got Goblin Spidey fighting... Uh, she's falling, she's falling down the shaft, Peter's giving it every fucking thing he's got, he flings out his web, tries to save her, he gets her, but he misses, and bang! A little bit too late. It's pretty fucking brutal to watch. Let's check it out, though. Oh! Incredibly difficult to watch. Let's check it out again in slow motion. We've almost got it. Let's let's just take one more fucking look though. Even slower. <laughs> We've all got the point. Now for those who are a little bit more twisted, like myself, let's check it out on repeat. It's got a nice beat to it. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Do things, but he can't say when. Double top. Does anyone else feel like playing with a yo yo?
Hey, I'm normal. Can I talk about Gwen Stacy for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it was Clone Conspiracy number one. We find out that Gwen lived long enough to realize Peter was Spider-Man, and she thinks this is the man who kept. This is the man who helped kill my dad, and that's basically her last thought as she dies. What did you guys think about that? revelation because like i it, that's one of the things in this that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because i'm like i mean i you know unlike some fans i don't think gwen is a sacred cow or anything um i don't have any like grandiose feelings about her anyway like i don't think like oh peter belongs with gwen or anything like that i'm just like you know it, she's okay she was there and she died and that was her big moment like that's the impact she left on Peter's life, but I don't really like this notion of like going back and kind of tinkering with it and having her kind of like having this be her last thought as she dies. What do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I will say I kind of I I agree with Derek's assessment of like Peter Parker's like characterization and throughout this whole event where. I don't know, like there, there were two. He seems very overshadowed by everyone, and I don't know, like, like you said, like Derek, like a cardboard cutout. But, however, I really did like that issue where him and Gwen finally get to have like a heart to heart. And I guess I don't know, like, like I don't know if I like, yeah, like that little retcon they added in, like about that the night Gwen Stacy died, you know, that she heard all that and stuff. But I guess I could see it like the value in it, like for drama's sake, like for that conversation to have a little more punch to it. Like, I don't know, Derek, what do you think about that? I, I don't know that I, I feel like the, the re well, I feel twofold about it. Like I, I can't help but bring up like, you know, la 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 la. My hands are over my ears, like sins of the past. Cause it's like, it's like if you do something that heinous with Gwen, like tinkering, where, you know, Norman Osborn, you know, had sex with her, they made fucking goblin babies, you know, like, if, if you do that, and then compare it to this, it doesn't seem quite as tinkery, I guess, and, and the, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is, they say that, right, but then the conversation they have seems to go in a very different light, like, she, I mean, this Yes, she's a reanimation, but the idea is supposed to be she has all the memories and and feelings that Gwen would have had, right? So they have that conversation where she says she forgives Peter. Like, so I I I feel like those two things are in opposition to one another, or or at least if if you feel a sense of sting, like it, it's like it seems like people that were reading it on a monthly basis, like that became the hot button controversial topic of the week because they read that story and went, oh my god, like when when heard all this, put two and two together before she actually dies, and then has these like tears in her eyes, like oh you know the the man i loved had been lying to me this whole time and i felt betrayed and then she dies like and understandably like that's a very kind of a a a twist that that sort of sullies maybe you know somebody who does consider 
the night Gwen Stacy died as a sacred cow. Like, it puts this extra spin on it, which I've always been very fond of, you know, in terms of the clone saga. Like, I've always made that joke with my buddies where I said, hey, you know, you see that right there? And my buddy was like, what? You see Norman hanging from the... the you know, he's impaled on his goblin glider. And he's like, yeah, what, what do you mean? And I said, you see those plane tickets to Europe in his back pocket? And then we all start <laughs> laughing because it's like, you know, no, there's no plane tickets there. But, you know, the retcon aspect of it is it, it sort of does put that veneer, that extra layer where it, it sort of sullies the, the classic nature of that original story, you know, however that happens. But I think, I, I guess to me, the the sting of that wasn't as impacting on me reading the story as a whole because that conversation that mike alludes to i mean it seems like she basically like i i mean i don't know if we were privy to her last moments or whatever but when she wakes up yeah she's got this kind of you know feeling of being betrayed but ultimately she's like you're a good man peter like i forgive you and you know like, I mean, she even goes out of her way to kiss Peter and try to convince him that she is the real Gwen. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I I think maybe that was like a, a heat of the moment kind of thing, as, as weird and odd as it is to, to put that into the last moments of the night Gwen Stacy died. But I think that was kind of a knee-jerk reaction she had. And when the, the reanimate kind of has that, heart to heart with Peter and, and goes through all the, the kind of emotions and everything. I mean, ultimately it, it comes out where she's like, no, I, I still love you. And I understand what was done. And I mean, everybody see, it, it's funny how like a lot of the times the, the stuff in Spider-Man seemed to be, if people only knew they'd all have heart attacks and flip out and hate me forever. But it seems like if, if they were actually a good girlfriend or a good aunt or a good you know surrogate father or whatever you know i i think the the reality of the situation is you know if someone really loves you and you tell them look i i fucked up and did this and that and the other thing that's not going to change and i think that's ultimately what happens with gwen but i could see why you know in that whole month-to-month reading schedule why that turned into a big thing. But to me, it, it seems like it's tantamount to like Jean Grey dying at the end of like Uncanny X-Men 281, but then she's not really dead and is back to life by 282. You know, where you're just like, yeah, in that month-to-month status, maybe somebody was like, holy crap, they killed Jean Grey again? Wow, my world's upside down. And then if you just stick around for the next issue, you know, I, I it, to me, it might be just a case of, overreaction to that i don't know that's that's just my kind of thought on it having read the story as a whole like i thought both gwen and peter were like i like both of their their characterizations were kind of like spot on in that conversation because i don't know like peter like that's one of the few moments i thought peter didn't act like all stupid and stuff where like i I think he acted realistically where he was kind of emotionally drained and also, he was like, you know, you're not the first, like, imposter Gwen I've encountered and stuff. So, and, like, that's I like that's probably, like, my favorite, like, single issue in this whole event is their, their conversation. And I, I, I'm kind of numb to, like, sort of retcons like that after Sin's past. So, 
I, I wasn't so much bothered by it. And I think it's very telling that Dan Slott didn't even reference Sin's past in this story. So, like, I, I think that's something he would rather just ignore. And I, I'm totally, like, behind that. I, I will say, like, I enjoyed seeing some of those, like, backup stories with, like, the Mark Bagley artwork and everything. Like, that was, e- even though it was a quote-unquote retcon, but specifically that story that Justin's referring to, I mean, it was penciled by him so i think there was oh what it was i think that was ron friends oh was it i thought i thought mark bagley did some of those but yeah he did he did one of the he did like the aftermath issue with like ben riley when he's you know he's in his hoodie and he's trying to get out but um i think the the retcon flashback was either done by ron friends or sal busema okay michael is correct the backup feature was penciled by Ron Friends. Derek is a stupid reanimation that doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe that's why. I, like, it, it's funny because some of the some of the issues, I think, like the the thing that my avatar is from the image of of Captain Stacy looking at Peter and Gwen. Like, I I was like sitting there going, man, that's like shades of you know John Romita Senior right there to me. And it's funny because it's that. The, I think it's the regular artist like uh, that was on Amazing. His name's yeah what? Giuseppe uh, uh, Camincoli. Yeah, I forgot how his yeah, last I name is. Right. Yeah. So like, and it's it's interesting because the the I would say the majority of the issue is drawn in his own style, but there's a few panels of especially you know Captain Stacy like his face and stuff, or or just those images in the splash page where I was very much kind of I don't know how to explain it but like the, he really did seem to capture the kind of you know old school John Romita senior vibe you know when when drawing that or or even even I guess in Haven you know that whole notion like where you've got like Nick Katzenberg kind of looking like a a Sal Buscema drawing or something like that you know like the that that made it feel kind of I guess genuine. I guess I don't know. Like, like that. That some something of that nature. You know that that reanimated quote unquote nature was was there on the printed page for you. Uh, something I did have some fun with is that full page. I, I think it's from Clone Conspiracy Two, where you know the jackal's like, and I brought back all these jerks and people who tried to kill you. And I was like, yeah, I, I was just having fun, like trying to identify some of these characters because I was like, I don't know this guy don't know this weird 70s guy and i was like who was that in the green goblin costume is that bart hamilton I, I i i had some fun with it because i was like asking you guys to try and identify it but i, I like that page oh yeah, yeah that was pretty cool i think it's kind of like i, I was kind of like like i think i was joking like you know okay yeah bring back like ned Leeds and sally abril like they they deserve second chances but like peter should have been like why'd you bring back nick katzenberg like he's a <laughs> jerk like why'd you bring back like yeah all these bad guys like i don't get it like i, I mean i get what you know the jackal was going for but like peter was like what no like i don't want massacre back like <laughs> sometimes like i'm I, i'm sitting there kind of going well technically doc ock killed massacre right like so like it's almost like yeah. why why even and i was bother? like nick, nick katzenberg died of cancer like how was that on peter like it's like because it seems like the theme was like he was like this this is everyone who's ever died on your watch 
And I was kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, some of those guys did like Nathan Lubensky and like Sal, like even Sally Avril, like she did, it wasn't really Peter's fault that she died. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, that, that, that's kind of like a loose goose type thing or, or I guess, I guess the, the, the only way you could sort of no prize it is the, the, the kind of conversations that he'd have with Anna Marconi about, you know, oh, don't do this, Pete, don't take all this responsibility on yourself. You know, it's like the conversation they have, like every episode on Arrow, you know, where they're like, you know, Ollie, you take all this blame for stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like the same thing. It's like, you know, I, I guess, you know, psychologically, you know, you could say, okay, well, yeah, he, he's not responsible for massacre or he's not responsible for Nick Katzenberg you know, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I guess he, I, I, I don't know that I feel comfortable with this, but, but, you know, he makes it about himself, like a lot of selfish people do when people die, I think. I don't know if that's like, yeah. to anybody, but like, sometimes you're like, I, I, I always kind of, you know, I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to say their piece about someone's passing, but at the same time, it's kind of like, sometimes it's kind of like, dude, it's not all about you, Peter, or it's not all about you, you know, person, you know, I don't know, crying about, you know, I don't know, whoever, you know, some recent celebrities passing that they, they didn't even know, you know what I mean? Like, where, where you're just kind of like, all right, like, chill out, man. And, and, and I guess in this case, at least these, most of these, at least he has some, if not direct correlation to being responsible for their death. I mean, they're all people who were part of his life personally. You're a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm fed up with all this talk about Spider-Man. Justin, I'm just curious because I know I know you're uh, a big fan of Silk, and this is my first time reading any other like comics outside of Spider-Verse that features Silk. I I thought for the most part, I mean, I you know, it's not like I was blown away by them or anything, but I thought they were nice little comics. I did think that. Like, the art was kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I want to say, like, I felt like Silk, um, I was always uncomfortable with the aspect of Silk and Peter Parker, like, making out like rabbits yeah. in Spider-Verse, and I think, I think seeing the artwork in this until I saw Spider-Man himself come into the story, made me feel like, you know, I don't know, hundreds of times more uncomfortable because it seems like she's a, like a very young lady. You know, like like she's working for J. Jonah, but it's like she's like sort of like this young intern that he's taken under his wing and like she's got, you know, the brother and her family and all that kind of stuff. And, and and it seemed like her and Maddie were kind of contemporaries. So I felt like almost like, you know, like a 30-year-old was trying to make out with like a 17-year-old then in retrospect, even though that's not exactly what it looked like in Spider-Verse. But then I guess when Spider-Man shows up in the actual comic, he himself seems like a very thin kind of cartoony 
youngish, like 20-ish guy. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I guess it's just interpretation and stuff. But, I mean, the, the, the actual issues, I mean, they, they had her, uh, you know, I didn't keep tabs on, you know, the characters or anything, but I, I know they had her sort of ghostly boyfriend who kind of goes through the whole reanimation process and then goes back to being a ghost again and I thought they had some nice moments together and you know the, the and again like not that I was ever the biggest fan of Maddie Franklin I, I thought she was pretty inconsequential to be honest you know it wasn't anything I I have any fondness for or any nostalgia for but I thought that the way they they used her in this made me rethink Silk a little bit just because I probably feel the same or I probably felt the same way about Silk that I felt about Maddie Franklin, you know, and then and then just seeing the both of them sort of interact together kind of spun a different light on things for me, you know, just for this storyline, you know, where I could sort of reevaluate, you know, Silk and, and see her just, you know, as kind of her own character, even though she's kind of like another spider spinoff character. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt the same way about her and Peter making out when she first debuted. Like, I was very, very put off by that. And I was like, oh, she's getting her own title? Like, that's weird, but okay, whatever. And I just kind of read it because I was bored. I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And I was like, you know what, like, this is good. Like, I like I like the writing. I really like the artwork. I think the creative team behind the book really did a very good job of salvaging that character and making her have more substance than just this weird, like, web-spinning clothes out of thin air, like, hormonal, like, wanting to bone Peter, like, instantly. Like, that stuff's very off-putting. But it's like, that's that's totally not anything even re- remotely in her ongoing, or I guess I should say ongoings, because she had a previous volume and before you know secret wars canceled everything yeah that's 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 what was shocking me because i was like what she's got two (laughs) like and i I get it it's like the nature of comics these days like you know they they have like a a year's worth of stories or so and then they they basically sort of restart again or whatever so that's that's kind of what it was but at first i was kind of like i I, what like you know it's kind of like all those hulk series and and superboy series like it silk's definitely in that camp of i i feel sorry for the poor bastards who you know want to file away and sort their comics with with silk because that's one of those ones that's gonna you know drive you nuts especially if there's like variant covers and stuff like that i wanted to ask you guys what what exactly like we kind of touched on it a little but I mean, what do you guys think of, like, like aside from, like, you know, the obviousness of it, what do you guys think of Ben Riley coming back, you know, to evils, as we always, like, joked about, basically? Like, I mean, I guess, I guess he has sort of good intentions, but those kind of go out the window when, like, eventually, like, Peter cottons to the fact that, like, if he didn't agree with Ben, like, Ben had every intention of, like, replacing him, basically, so... I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I like Ben Riley. Like, I, I thought he he was my Spider-Man for like, you know, six, six months to a year, basically. So, I mean, part of me is kind of like, yeah, that kind of sucks. But like, I thought his motivations were not good, but I understood why he snapped, basically. Yeah, kind of like yourself. Like, I have a lot of affection for the whole clone saga era. 
I guess to me that that's that's like my bomber jacket era of Spider-Man. It's like you know people don't really care for it, but you know some people have a little affection for it. But yeah, like I said, I I didn't think they were gonna go in that direction and reveal the Jackal is Ben Riley. You know, I was like, oh, that's too obvious. They're not gonna do that. And we even joked about it. You know, like I remember joking about it to you guys, like you know, off, you know, off the show and everything. And then they did it. And I was just like, what? No, <laughs> come on. Like maybe this is like a double bluff, and like the real Jackal is off like manipulating this new clone of Ben Riley or whatever. But yeah, like I I don't like this turn at all but like what gives me a little bit of hope is he's getting his own series scarlet spider by peter david and i like peter david so hopefully peter david can make some sense out of these things because he's he's very good at kind of like sorting through minutiae and things that don't make sense and trying to like spin an entertaining tale out of it and everything I, so like I'm i'm hopeful for that but yeah like i don't like this whole you know I, do. I don't know, turn to the dark side or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah like, like you said, Mike, I do understand his motivations and everything. And like, I, you know, they kind of like toyed a little bit with the idea of bringing uncle Ben back. And I was just like, please, no, please don't, <laughs> don't go in that direction. Like that's, that's really kind of cheap and low. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, in a way it's cheap enough to like bring Gwen back and kind of like tease people with that, but to like really kind of like, go the Jerry Springer route would to have like an Uncle Ben clone walking around and like, you know, giving Pete like words of wisdom and like eating nachos or whatever the hell he's gonna do. I was I was thankful they didn't go in that direction. Yeah, I mean I do like I I kinda like the new setup, like what what apparently like, you know, the new Ben Riley book is gonna be about where it's kind of almost like a like Ben Riley and Kane go back to their old routine where Kane's going to be hunting Ben Riley down but this time it's like Ben Riley's the unstable one and Kane's the one like trying to prevent him from doing any more harm so like I kind of think like it's like it's a nice like flip of that like original setup but yeah, I don't know, Derek. Like, what you, you probably have a much different view of Ben Riley than we do. So, what do you think about that? To answer your question about how I viewed the whole Ben Riley heel turn is like how I basically view all I'm evil's heel turns because it's like now, now it's just this fucking stock standard trope. I mean, you know, to me, uh, uh, usually. I, I say they the character got Superboy primed. And I mean, even that, like, that, you know, as much as that's an important part of, you know, DC continuity now, you know, there, there was always that bit where you're like, well, wait a minute, like, he wasn't a bad guy, like, you know, and it's like, and, and, you know, it's like red solar radiation never affected him if you bothered to read the goddamn dc comics presents he was in so like a, a lot of stuff like that where you're like wait a minute like this you know this this you know and and of course just like superboy prime i mean you know yeah you can point back to to other characters like when element lad got superboy primed way before superboy prime or you know judo master's sidekick 
got Superboy primed, where it's like, who's the evil guy behind the Law miniseries? It was Judo Master's sidekick who's the evil mastermind. Why? Because he was all mads, you know? And it's just like, what? Like, you know, it's like, it's like, who's the evil mastermind of the Dark Knight Strikes Back? It's Dick Grayson, you know? And you're just kind of like, you know what? Like, enough. Like, this is, you know, I, I think it, it doesn't matter that I don't view the clone saga as favorably or, or have as many fond memories. But, I mean, I'll go as far as saying the Lost Years, you know, are is one of probably my favorite Spider-Man stories. And that is basically Ben Riley and Kane's story, right? So, like, there's not... I, I'm not going to say the entire clone saga is something that I look fondly on, you know, for the most part. I mean, I think I would have been just as happy if they never touched Ben Riley again. I mean, that was the whole point of that issue. You know, as much as I make fun of it, you know, it kind of irritates me because I'm like, the whole point of that fucking issue <laughs> is that he turned into goddamn pixie dust and, like, went away! And, like, <laughs> and, and like what, what I kind of hated was, like, that one, they had Warren Miles just, like, in the fucking stairwell the whole time, just waiting to shovel up some convenient dust. Like, the whole point was it flew away into the air and nobody could clone him or recreate him or do anything, right? But in this, it's like there's fucking, you know, sandbox full of fucking genetic material just waiting for him to pick up with a shovel. And then, two, I'm kind of like, if the Jackal was around back then, wouldn't he be in his, like, skin-tight 90s outfit and not just, like, Professor Miles Warren in a lab coat looking dumpy like he does in this? Like, I, I don't that, know. That was, that was a continuity error, because, you know, when they show, like, the closet of, like, Jackal costumes, like, that fucking 90s costume wasn't a costume. It was his it, genetic, yeah, like, yeah. He, he genetically altered he, himself. He altered yeah. himself, so he should have looked that way in the issue, right? Like, anyway, I, I, you know, that, that's, I guess, nitpicky nerd shit, but, you know, at, at the same time, like, the, the actual sort of heel turn of Ben Riley, like, I, you know, I, I know they, they, just like Superboy Prime, they have the issue where they, like, try to explain it, and it's like, okay, so he's been killed, like, 27 times, like, fucking Doomsday or whatever, and that, you know, is supposed to account for what broke him, you know, and everything, but it's like, I, I, I don't know, man, like, it, it just seems like, they, they tried, I, I think, you know, maybe, like, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll give credit to, like, Christos Gage or whatever for trying to, to make sense of, of the direction, but it seems like, you know, it seems like, you know, Slot probably had these crazy ideas, and it's like, it's gonna be Ben Riley, and then everybody went, oh, okay, like, we'll try to make it work, you know, but uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes, like, I, I guess I, I'm always a little dissatisfied with, with heel turns, because I may not love, like, you know, the Clone Saga and, and you know, Frosted Tips Ben Riley or whatever, but, like, he wasn't a bad dude, and, like, I, I think I agree with you where it's, like, you, you can s sit there and kind of rationalize, okay, he was killed, like, 27 times and decided, like, nobody dies and goes off on this quest to improve everybody, but the minute he goes into his whole, you know, snap, all you bad guys, kill Peter Parker mode, 
like, at that point, you know, or, or even when it's like, ah, it's Spider-Gwen, she's from some other fucking Earth, go ahead, Electro girl, like, go ahead and kill her ass, because she's being a pain, you know? It's like, I don't, I mean, that 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 seems more like, you know, uh, Miles Warren or Norman Osborn or any of Spider-Man's, you know, normal villains you know so it's like it's like for him to be a credible threat he's gotta cross that line but i i just i i never saw you know those characters crossing that line you know whether it was superboy prime from way back in the crisis or you know ben riley or judo master sidekick or element lad or whoever they decided like all of a sudden was evils for no fucking reason you know like or or because they were stranded for a million years and whatever the justification is you know so i mean to answer your question like you know that i i knew it was coming and and you know i i don't think anybody's like really ever sold me on on that trope in general, so I don't think Dan Slot succeeded anybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, <laughs> I feel I feel bad for Christos Gage sometimes because he's like he's usually co-writing these amazing issues, and it's like I feel like he's the safety net almost, where he's like he's trying to balance all these ideas that Dan Slot has and make them either palatable or you know mm. understandable, but he can't always do it. What do you think of like they they're kind of they kind of play loose with it and vague with it in the last few issues. But it seems like they they left some room open where, you know, Kane and Silk and whoever else is out on the street, like say like, oh, like we webbed up some villains, some villains like turned to dust and some of them just got away before like that stabilized. I felt like that was so noncommittal. It pissed me off. Like, yeah, like because like, it's yeah. like one of those things where like. It's like, oh, well, if we want to have, you know, massacres show up to mow down a bunch of people, we can have them show up. But, you know, but then again, if it's like, you know, somebody we, we don't give a rat's fuck about, you know, like the kangaroo, then the kangaroo <laughs> can, can still be, you know, reanimate dust yeah. or whatever, you know? And, and I think. I don't know. The only ones like you could see for sure, I think you could see like Alistair Smythe and Stiltman like still webbed up and like okay. And then Spider Gwen says something like, you know, oh, Gene DeWolf definitely like dissolved. And, you know, obviously like Gwen, the 616 Gwen dissolved and probably those goblins dissolved. And, you know, any anyone who's who already has someone like an incarnation running up probably dissolved. I was like, some of them, like I was kind of hoping got away. Like I, I'd like to see like Ned Leeds still around mm -hmm. or like, you know, like he, he, he was like, like I said, like characters like him and like Sally Avril, like they got kind of like their lives got kind of cut short before, you know, they could, they were like victims of something. So like that, I mean, that could be interesting in the future, but... It could be. I, I feel like you'd have to then discount some of the things we were flatly told in this story for it to work, though. Because at least with, like, as much as Justin's like, why does Doc Ock need to be in this story? I'm sick of Doc Ock, right? At least with Doc Ock, I feel like it was explained to my satisfaction that not only does he, you know, have a fight to the death with Ben Riley. 
but then he he absconds you know with the the proto clone body or whatever right and it's like oh well because it's the proto clone body i'm not too fussed about i assume he doesn't need the pill a day thing but if you did do a story with ned leeds you know at the best it could be one touching heartfelt issue where he slowly degenerates over the issue has a heart to heart with betty brant and then fucking goes by the end of it you know what i mean whereas if 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 you were being non-committal so you could have villains to use it's like it would put a lie to that to me because it's like oh well who's making these fucking pills and where do they get them from and you know i mean it's like if if max modell and those numb nuts from fucking horizon couldn't reverse engineer the pill it's like you're telling me like other people are going to be able to do it for these guys i don't know like yeah yeah i I just thought it was a a interesting backdoor like built into this like and I, i was wondering if that was specifically yeah for future stories but it seems like you know at the end of this story they're going slots going in a different direction so yeah what did you think of that whole final scene with peter and the kingpin and what you know kingpin said was on that flash drive well i don't know i think we talked about this last time we talked about spider-man but like i don't i don't so much like buy this whole like norman osborne is sane now and like you know he's more dangerous than ever and like i I don't know like like that never like to me like norman osborne seemed like someone who was already suffering from some kind of like latent mental illness and then the goblin formula just kind of either removed like his inhibitions or just made him like, like completely insane. And so like, I, I, like I don't buy just removing the goblin formula makes him sane. So I don't like, I don't see why he would be any different than what he is basically. I will say as a staunch fan of the Kingpin, I thought how he behaved in this for the most part was pretty, pretty dead on you know like the whole yeah you know the whole vibe of like you know he he's smart enough to to know what would have come of it anyway so his solution is just to you know snap the vanessa reanimation's neck and be like get this shit out of my face like you you insult me and and i like the whole you know sort of you owe me a favor i owe you a favor type thing that that's going on between him and Spider-Man, so I, I thought that was kind of like a cool sort of tit for tat as far as that goes. I, I don't feel like, like I, I've been saying, I, I haven't been keeping up with Amazing Spider-Man, so the whole, you know, Norman as a, I don't know, kind of whatever he is, kind of mercenary type guy or whatever he's doing now, like that that's uh, something that I'm not like super familiar with. I mean, it just seemed like what they're going to have him, you know, go off to face him in like a showdown or something like that and that you know i, I was kind of like okay well i guess that makes sense for like the 25th issue of, of a series right yeah i don't know like i i think slot loves doc ock more than he does norman so i don't think he no matter like I, whenever he's written norman i've not felt any kind of particular like i don't know like he has any kind of affinity for the character so I mean, it it does seem like the whole, like, webware getting shorted out all across the world is going to play, like, a big part in his, you know, Peter's sort of 
decline, I guess, or at least downfall from being yeah. being the sort of you know high tech darling. Well, we all we all we all knew that like Parker Industries would eventually collapse or something. So like, and Peter would have to go back to basics eventually. So that's probably the start of that. All in all, like. I didn't like I I think I enjoyed this more than I did like Spider-Verse so like yeah like, I I I I know it's kind of counter to Justin's thoughts on Spider-Verse but I I was not a huge fan of Spider-Verse in general so I mean I I I would get your back on that Mike I I don't know that that means a hell of a lot but I would get your back on <laughs> it if that makes any sense like like this th- I, I kind of went along for the ride on this for the most part. I mean, I, I like I said, I still don't think this does a hell of a lot for redeeming Spider-Man for me. Like, there there have been certain stories and certain one-off issues over the years that have have sort of made me go, now that's Spider-Man, you know, but this this probably wasn't it. I think, if anything, this sort of enticed me to... One, I want to find out what they do with Kane next. Made me think that Silk and Spider-Gwen aren't such write-offable characters as I thought. And I, I gotta be honest, like, the the only reason why I'm interested in the whole Ben Riley Scarlet Spider ongoing is, it, it's one of those odd things where you're like, how can you make that guy the protagonist now? You know, like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, I know they've done it before, but it's like, it's like that weird feeling. I'm, I'm trying to think of like an equitable situation where they, you know, they take somebody who was sort of fallen from grace, but then give them like their own ongoing book. And, and you're just kind of like, this feels like they're going to have to do a whole lot of work to I mean if he's supposed to be a hero I mean I don't know who knows maybe he's supposed to be sort of nefarious in it but I I I don't know you know where they're going with that I I think it's kind of interesting that they're they're trying to spin him off into his own title after you know kind of playing him up as the 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 evil nemesis of this event book I was going to ask you guys do you think he for reals killed the for reals jackal for good? <laughs> like at the end there, like I feel like Dan Slott was trying to get the last word in on like Miles Warren, but like it's like when has anyone ever like died in a fire and, and we never see a body and that was like the end of them. Yeah, I, I imagine he was like running through the house and he was like, oh, you know, like a, a hidden door to the basement and he like got the hell out of there. But since you guys like disagree with me about this whole event, I can only conclude that you guys have been replaced with clones, and I'll be like emitting a sonic frequency to like kill you guys soon. <laughs> I'm like, is that why I've been taking like pills every hour or so like today? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna become a carrion and infect you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're gonna end off on uh, the. Dead No More Clone Conspiracy. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. You can stream us there. We're on all kinds of social media, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So we appreciate all the likes and feedback and all that kind of good stuff. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. 
You were the clone. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike. And did you, when the jackal was burning in that fire, did you see those plane tickets to Europe he had? In his back pocket. In his back pocket, yep. And this is Justin. Peace. Peace. Hello? Yeah, I, I could hear Justin. Did you lose him? Or... Mike? Hello? Mike? Maybe we lost Mike. You didn't lose me. I lost you! Uh... Oh. We lost you! What happened? Hello. Do it now. Do it now. Come on. <laughs> what are you waiting for? I'm over here. So is that is that Scarlet Spider Ben Riley in that new series with the hoodie that Justin has up on his avatar? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it was rejected. Not because people hated it, but because for story reasons. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they released like another press release where they're like, don't worry, like Ben Riley will be wearing his classic costume in the actual series. And then they like, they re-released that cover like, you could tell they like drew over Bagley's drawing of that with the, you know, the classic uh, suit. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, hang on. Let me. Uh, the dog's looking at me, so let me just go let him out, and then okay. I'll we'll be called. We can get started. Yeah. I'll be right back. The dog's like, "Come on, come on, out. let me out. I gotta go poop. <laughs> I gotta go poop now." Where's your silver uniform spacesuit? Everyone has one in the future. The future. The future. Everyone. Everyone wears jumpsuits. Yours and mine. Dude, Bishop's really, really, really sorry. So, we're gonna <laughs> hey, I, I saw that. I was like, wait, he killed a bunch of people in the future. Like, and then Mike was like, he's sorry. He's sorry. Phantom X is sorry. Magneto's sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess we have to have you on the team. <clears throat> Use your old looking uniform. Cool. Cool. With the one yellow stripe running down the right side, or whatever it is. Jerry curls. And Jerry curls. Well, the future. He's like, I was trying to save lives with my Jerry curls. <laughs> See, without my Jerry curls, I went insane. <laughs> Came a genocidal <laughs> That's monster. That's Bishop went early. When 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 he when he got rid of his Jerry curls, it drove him over the edge. God damn it! Make me a Carrion Marvel Legend. I want a '90s Kane Marvel. Or version. or that. Yeah, he'd be a good bath. Yeah. He's huge. He's huge. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure we'll we'll get a Marvel Legend of that fugly new Scarlet Spider design before we get a Marvel <laughs> Legend of that. So yeah. Uh, 
But, but look at his face. He's so happy. I don't know why. Because he's evil, but he's happy. He's evil. <laughs> hey, that, that Coulson buck is screaming to get painted red and have a little Anubis head on it. So there you go. Yeah. That was a pretty good design. Yeah. For like, even before I knew it was Ben Riley, I was like, that's a good, like, modern redesign of the Jackal, I guess. Like, how I'd imagine he'd look if you'd made a movie with the Jackal in it, basically. <laughs> Were you sad that his hair wasn't blonde? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? You mean the he didn't reanimate with blonde hair? It is kind of interesting that Kane is going to be chasing Ben, but he has like a legitimate excuse this time. Yeah, instead of just wanting to ruin his life because he's evil. For reasons. For reasons, yeah. You know, like, Kane. I like Kane, but I didn't expect to, I don't know, get on board with his hero turn. Because I just have, like, you know, I had all these memories of him, like, being this weird, disfigured, kind of hulking psychopath who was, like, killing people with this kind of, like, weird, you know, I don't know, like a weird kind of, like, curse thing that, like, went on people's face or whatever. I was like, you're going to make him a good guy? Like, I don't think so. But then, you know, I got on board with it pretty quick. Yeah. I, like I still... I... I'm still sad that that series was canceled because I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Like, I always, like I, I liked Kane back when, like, you know, he was uh, a big bad, like, back in the Clone Saga. And I was I was always, like, for years after, like, all those years of them wanting to wash their hands of the Clone Saga and not wanting to mention everything, like, for anything from that, I'd, I'd always be like, wouldn't it be cool if Kane came back? And then, like, you know, we finally did. And then. You know, it's like they kind of like played a tug of war with him where they like killed him again, like at the end of Grim Hunt. Then, you know, they resurrected him in Spider Island and then they cured him and then they killed him again at the end of Spider-Verse. And then like I was kind of like, man, stop it. Like make decide. And now now he's kind of dying again. So like, I don't know what they're doing with him, But yeah, like ah. he's the Wonder Man of the Spider-Man titles. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's made like, of. I'm alive. I'm dead. I'm evil. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Check the scorecards. I yeah, Kane, Kane's one of my favorite like Spider-Man supporting cast members or anti-heroes or whatever. So like I'm I'm happy he still gets a place like in in the universe or you know even if he has to share a book now. But I'm kind I'm still sad that New Warriors was canceled. I mean I I know people like weren't too fond of that book, but I liked it so. And I, I would have liked seeing them being part of that team dynamic for a bit longer, but it would be neat to see him interact with um, Nova since he's like you know, not dead anymore. Yeah, Richard Ryder. Yeah, Richard Ryder. Like, hey, like, we're both back from the dead. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, like you said, like I felt like at the end where you know. <laughs> Kane was like, what happened to the Jackal? And Peter Parker was like, well, he was just a big pile of dust. And <laughs> Kane was like, and you bought that? You dumbass. Like, uh. <laughs> and, and, and again, like uh, what Derek was saying earlier about like Peter Parker making it all about himself, kind of when what like at, at the end where he's kind of like, you know, Kane knew what was going on. And he didn't tell any of us like big jerk. And, you know, Kane's like, yeah, you're a fucking dumbass because I, I didn't trust you. That's why I didn't tell you. So I don't know. Yeah, but, but, well, because like all those alternate worlds, he probably saw like most of the time it was Peter's fault. So he's like, you know what? 
I'm not going to tell Peter because I don't want yeah. him to like be like, Hadur, no one dies. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. And then, like I, like I said, like he kind of him and his him and Spider Gwen's like sort of partnership kind of validated Spider Gwen for me, where I was kind of like, OK, she thinks Kane is cool. She she thinks Kane is cool and Kane thinks she's cool. So that me- must mean she's cool, like basically. So cool. If Kane cool. likes her, then I like her, too. Then I like her, too. Yeah. Yeah. To, to and like add- a, even. Oh, I was just going to just add that yeah. we we were just discussing like Kane and his oh, role okay. in the book. And uh, I was just going to say uh, I, I, I liked uh like adding to like your distaste of how Peter Parker is kind of portrayed in this. It's like, you know, spider Gwen's all depressed that Peter was kind of dismissive of her. And then Kane's kind of like, Hey, look like Peter's a moron. Okay. Like yeah. you're cool. Yeah. Peter's a cardboard standy. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's like, he's like, you know, Derek says Peter hasn't been real since like 1990 something. So like, <laughs> they're like, take it from me. Like you're cool. What 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 happened to the jackal, Peter? Oh, he turned into a pile of dust. Oh, he turned into a pile of dust. You fucking moron! Like, 